I will sing to the Lord, for He has highly exalted both horse and driver. He has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise Him. My Father's God, and I will exalt Him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name, Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the dust like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like a stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue. I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword, and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? Uh, the New Testament reading is taken from Luke chapter 1, verses 68 to 75, which you can find on page 1027. Uh, we're going to do it a bit differently than we normally do New Testament readings, so uh, you can join me and read it aloud, so I'll be a bit slower. <laughs> uh, let us read. Uh, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. I want us to turn briefly to Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 2 with everything that the youth have read kind of in the background for us, I just want to focus our attention on a couple of these verses which get at the heart of what it means for us to be, as the Apostles' Creed says, uh, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. So Ephesians chapter two, beginning with verse 19, and then I'll turn you over to Ephesians chapter three, after I read a couple of verses from chapter 2. So Ephesians 2, verse 19.
Let's hear God's word. Consequently, Paul says, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And then turn over to chapter 3, verse 20. After Paul's done reflecting on the wonder that it is to be a part of the church, he concludes in this way. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Father, as we attend to your word now, we ask that you would send forth once again your son, the Lord Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit, that the pages of scripture might be brightly illuminated to our imaginations and to our consciences, that our wills might be submitted to his will, that our lives might bend in worship and in praise as we behold our Savior's life in these pages. We ask it together for his name's sake and for our good. Amen. Not to start off in a, in a negative way, but my grandfather, or my grandmother rather, Olina Sigaros Homfrieder Paulson Steger, she has five names, um, she passed away this Tuesday after 93 years with us. And we were expecting it, and in many ways it was the best kind of way that someone could go. Old, full of, full of age, with great-grandchildren around her, and ready to go home and meet her Savior. Our family will be heading to Ohio starting tomorrow for the week to grieve and to celebrate her life. Uh, she loved and followed Jesus, and that's a great thing to celebrate. And I've been thinking, too, she brought my dad into the world. And she raised him up with my grandpa to be a good man. And then she sent him off to college, the first college student in our family. And she sent him off to marriage to my mother and then to fatherhood. I've been thinking a lot of these, these movements of family since she died Tuesday and even before. I want to imitate her with my family. Ellie and I, mostly Ellie of course, brought our boys into the world <laughs> and into our family. And now we're trying to build them up, right, into the young men that they're supposed to be. And our hope is that one day we'll be able to send them out into the world to love and to serve their families and their neighbors. 
And what we've read here is that the family of God works just the same way, doesn't it? This is exactly how it works. To be the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, as the creed teaches, is to be brought in, to be built up, and then to be sent out. Brought in, built up, and sent out. And this is God's desire for us, that we would be brought into the family, that we would be built up together and prepared for his mission, and then that we would be sent out into the earth to fill the earth with his glory. So that'll be our outline real briefly. Brought in, built up, and sent out. So first, to believe in the holy Catholic church, the communion of saints, which is what the creed teaches us we are, is to believe that we have been brought in. What does this mean? Well, Paul says at the beginning of chapter two here, verse 11, that we, especially Gentiles, non-Jews, we used to be on the outside. We were strangers. We were people physically, in many cases, a long way off from Jerusalem, from the center of God's action at that time on earth, the place where God's temple was. We were a people that were also a long way off from his promises. Paul says it like this, we were hopeless and we were godless in the world. But now he says, verse 19, we are no longer foreigners and strangers. We are fellow citizens. Four years ago, my family moved to Korea and I got excited about integrating into Korean culture. But I quickly learned that, you know, that's a little bit tough actually, especially as a a white guy from America, You can learn Korean, you can learn to eat kimchi and uh, use chopsticks. You can love Korea, but you can never really be Korean. It just doesn't quite work that way. And for a minute or two, that really broke my heart. And I thought, oh, I can't be Korean ever, even if I really try. And then I stopped worrying about it and just started enjoying uh, Korean food and uh, culture. And it went okay. But this process made me think of my school days when I was a youth, like many of you that have been leading us are. There was a kid in my class, and his name was Gustavo. He was from Brazil. And his nickname was Guga, Guga, which is kind of funny, right? Uh, But he was really cool. His family had moved from Brazil, but they became US citizens. Now, sometimes Guga made fun of me. Uh, I wasn't cool enough for him. Guga always ended up with the pretty girls that I was kind of interested in, which meant that I didn't uh, get those ladies. He was proud. He was often mean. You know, he was a teenager, right? But it kind of hurt. So I got back at him in two ways. Here's how I did it. Number one, first way I got back at him, I'm kind of proud of even still. Ready? He had a pretty sister. <laughs> guess, who become, guess who became his pretty sister's boyfriend? <laughs> Second way that I got back at him, I'm not very proud of. I'm, it kind of breaks my heart even to this day. Here's what happened. 
One day when he was being his usual unkind self to me, I had to think of a comeback to him. You know what I said to him? I said, oh yeah? Well, you can never become president of the United States of America because the Constitution says you weren't born here. I don't remember what he said back to me about that. I thought I had landed a, a sucker punch. See, he was an American, but he wasn't fully included in absolutely every way. There were some minor things that even as a naturalized citizen, he couldn't do. And one of those things was be the president. He would have to wait for his own children to be eligible to be president. But you see, what Paul is saying here is that this is not how it works for those of us who are on the outside, but then were brought in to be citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Gentiles from many nations are brought in, no longer outsiders, and Paul says full citizens in the commonwealth of Israel, in God's household. What this means is that God has done for us who were not Uh, originally Israelites, what he did with the first Israelites, with what he did with Abraham's family. After all, Abraham wasn't an Israelite when he started, was he? He was living in Ur, and he was worshiping false gods. He and his whole family were. And then one day, God called him out and brought him in close. You can read about it in Genesis 12. And he said to him, Abraham, you're different now. You're in. And I'm going to make out of you a nation, a people, a household. It's going to be glorious. And God promised Abraham that he would one day bring in people from every tribe and nation on the earth. And that they would be brought in through Abraham's own family, Genesis 17. So Abraham was a stranger and he was brought in. He and his family and the nation that they became. We too, Gentiles, were strangers, and now in Christ we are brought in like Abraham was. So when we say, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, a lot of us scratch our heads and go, but I'm Protestant, I'm not Catholic. But what we're saying is actually, I believe in the called in and set apart universal from every nation on earth gathering of God in Jesus Christ through the Spirit. So that's a long sentence, right? Aren't you glad now that we say, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church instead of all of that? And he has made, if you're trusting in Christ, he's made you a part also, we say, of the communion of saints. How? By gathering you not only with those who follow Jesus who are alive today, but you're following Jesus along with those who have followed Jesus throughout history. Even those who were pursuing Jesus before Jesus' own incarnation and birth. And that means that if you're following Jesus today, there's a mysterious way in which you are vitally connected to my Amma who died on Tuesday. Because you're trusting the same Jesus in whose arms her spirit rests right now. And that means that when we are brought in, we can't be taken out. Because Paul teaches us that 
Even death can't separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Once we're brought in by pure grace, not even death can take us out. We are the communion of saints. We are brought in together. But secondly, we're not just brought in. We are then, Paul teaches, built up. Built up. What does he mean by this? Paul says that all of us, Jews and Gentiles alike, who belong to Jesus, verse 21 here, are being built together into a temple. A temple. A place where God can dwell. And then, as Jew and Gentile are gathered together, out from tribe and nation and tongue, what happens is, this is kind of a funny picture, they are piled on top of the cornerstone, which is Jesus, and built up stone by stone, resting on Jesus, the cornerstone, resting on the testimony of the apostles and the, and the prophets who have gathered us together. And year after year, this temple that's being built grows bigger and taller, more spread out, more glorious, stronger. And you realize, of course, what the goal of all this is. The goal is that, just like the temple of Solomon when it was built long ago, was finally filled with God's glory, God wants now the whole earth to be full of his glory, for all creation to become the temple of God, and for his people to spread out across the face of the earth as the waters cover the seas. He wants us to become these living stones that are praising and serving him everywhere. And that's why Paul, who of course is a Jew, shouts for joy at the end of Ephesians 3 about what he sees God doing in the world. Because God is bringing in the nations just as he promised Abraham. And so he shouts, to him be glory in the church. That is, in the one assembly, Jew and Gentile of God's people, and in Messiah Jesus throughout every generation, forever and ever. This excites Paul and it should excite us. So we're brought in and then we're built up. But we need to ask real quickly, how does this building up actually practically happen among us? Let me suggest just a couple of ways. We need to remember, first of all, that in a sense, God does the building up alone without us. You see, God selected you, Paul writes about this in Ephesians as well, doesn't he? To be part of his people, to be a living stone in his temple before the world was even made. Before you were around, he chose you and made you holy and precious in his sight. And then he made you and shaped you to be just the stone that he wanted for his living temple. Even though you had become a misshapen stone, a stone that was buried somewhere way far away from the construction of the temple. But God went and found you and shaped you and put you in his temple as a living stone. Ephesians is just as clear as any book about this, right? It's all by God's grace from beginning to end. We can never be proud of ourselves. Jew, Gentile, man, woman, slave or free, God selects us and makes us the holy stones that we are, and he does it in Jesus Christ alone. 
But then what's beautiful is that God turns and he uses his one holy Catholic church to keep building us together. And we are chosen and precious, as Peter tells us, because of him alone. But Paul says that we're, verse 22, Ephesians chapter 2, we're still being built up. You see, this is how Christianity works, isn't it? We're made worthy by Jesus and his grace alone. But then we're being made worthy together to be a temple that's built up, that's more majestic than when we started, that's more holy than when it started. Why? So that the fullness of God's presence and glory can be present and on full display among his people, his temple. The building up is still happening, isn't it? And the building up is happening in churches, churches like ours. I think we have a unique opportunity, don't we, as an international church to be built together as many nations in one place. We have a special opportunity as a multicultural international church, don't we, to live with, to honor, to prefer, to serve, to embrace, to learn from people that don't always look, talk, eat, think, and act quite like us in every way, but nevertheless are becoming one with us. And the reality is that this, what's happening here at IPC, is going to happen all over the earth one day. But we get the chance, don't we, to experience it right here, right now, in Zurich, Switzerland, and it's beautiful. So as we get built up together, then our city around us can see, as it were, a temple rising high and spreading out, maybe even see evidence of God's spirit coming and filling us and being among us, showing forth all the beauty of God's own holiness in our midst. But here's the thing, for this kind of beauty and holiness and togetherness to actually happen, for this kind of building up, we've got to commit to one another, don't we? We've got to commit to one another. And we do this in small ways, thousands of them, week after week, we demonstrate our commitment to one another. But then there's one specific way I want to call your attention to that we do commit to one another, and that's kind of the obvious thing. It's we become members of a local church. If you're around here and you're committed here, you become a member of IPC Church. And this gives you a chance to make vows and promises to one another and to the Lord. This gives you a chance to say with the people that are sitting around you, Jesus these are my people. They don't always look and eat and, and talk and dress like me, but these are my people. And these are the people with whom I want to be built up and knit together in love. Jesus, would you shape me into the living stone that you want in this place? And then would you use me by your grace to help shape the people around me so that together, we can be a temple for your glory. So to be a member, we might say, of the one holy Catholic church, the communion of saints, is also to be a member 
of one particular holy communion of saints, one specific church. You're not strangers, you're not auslanders in God's family. So don't be a church auslander as well. Be members together here. And doing so is the most obvious and basic way of expressing your membership everywhere in the one holy Catholic church. Now, some of you might be struggling with that, and that's okay. If you are, come talk to me, and we'll pray through it and talk through it together. But we are members of one another. We are brought in, and then together we are built up. But then third and last, we're not just brought in, we're not just built up, but we're also sent out. We're sent out. Like I said, Paul is excited about what God is doing among the nations. But we see evidence here in Ephesians 3.20 that the job is not done yet because Paul wants God and believes that God will do immeasurably more than anything that we could ask or imagine. However big our imaginations are about what God could do through us among the nations, our imaginations are still too small. He wants to bring glory through the church and in the church. Church means assembly. And as the church gathers together, we gather new people and assemble with them in every generation throughout all the world for all time. This is how it happens. Come and see what the Lord has done. Come gather with us. Let's be built together and built up and knit together. And then let's go out and welcome in more to be with us. The Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, to be holy means not just to be cleansed from your sin and to leave your sin behind. To be holy also means to be energized and set apart and sent into God's own mission. To be Catholic means not just that we're united to Christians everywhere. To be Catholic means that we are partnered with Christians everywhere in the great commission of making disciples of all the nations. To be church means not just that we're assembled, To be church also means that we're sent to gather and assemble more and more people so that Jesus has more and more living stones in his worldwide temple. To be part of the communion of saints means not just that we go to heaven when we die, although we do and praise the Lord, but to be the communion of saints also means that God's people from generation to generation, they live and they live to make Christ known and exalted And then they die, maybe, to make Christ known and exalted. And when they die, they pass the torch on to those of us who yet live. And then from heaven, they cheer us on. The torch is now in our hands, Holy Catholic Church, Communion of Saints. The torch is in our hands, International Protestant Church, of Zurich. And so the question is, what are we going to do? We've got to go. 
We can't just be brought up or brought in and built up. But we've got to obey the call to be sent out. And this means that we've got to think and talk and pray and strategize together. How exactly are we going to go? To whom are we being called to go? But we can't think and pray about it forever. We've also just got to go and walk in faith. The reality is that each of you sitting out here, you have people in your lives, people whose lives your lives have already touched, people that I may never meet, people that might never hear me preach, and that's probably okay for most people. People that know you, that like you, that trust you, And you've got to be thoughtful and courageous and wise and generous. But you can't just be around those people that know you and like you and trust you. You've got to go to them. And you don't need to just go to them all alone, but go together as the church. You see, being part of the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, is not just a way of saying, I go to church, I go to church. That's radical enough in this day. But rather, being part of the church is a way of describing your most fundamental identity and your mission in this life. The most joyful thing about your life is the fact that you get to exalt the Jesus who has come down in humility to save you. And this is the most challenging thing in our lives, to exalt him fully and authentically and courageously. But it's the most dynamic and hopeful thing about our lives. It's a movement out. And in the years to come, I hope that we'll really take this seriously as a church and that rather than becoming a burden, it will be our great joy together, not just to be brought in and built up, but to be sent out so that the whole world And the whole world represented among the nations here in our city would become a temple for our Lord Jesus Christ and his glory. He's made you holy by forgiving your sins and setting you apart to bring him glory. He's made you together Catholic by connecting you with every follower of Jesus, Jew or Gentile, everywhere on planet earth. And he's made you church by assembling you together into his temple. And he's made you a communion of saints, an assembly of people on earth, people that have gone into heaven. And it's all, isn't it? It's all for the praise of his glorious grace. So do you believe in the holy Catholic church, the communion of saints? Gracious Heavenly Father, help us, we pray, not just to believe it, not just to mumble it when it's our turn to say the creed, but to live it and embrace it. Make being part of your family our greatest delight and make it our greatest delight as well to extend your extended family among the nations. Thank you for binding us together as the church here Now use us as you build us up and knit us together to be the blessing that Abraham looked for among all the nations.
here in Zurich and across the face of the earth for the glory and praise of our Savior Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen.